Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means today on Thursday, I was once again out in Ashburn with the bugs and the humidity watching the Commanders go through day two of training camp practice. But it wasn't exactly 100% focused on the field because obviously... Uh, by now, you probably are aware that Dan Snyder participated in uh, a deposition with the Oversight Committee. At the moment we're talking, we still don't even know definitively that it's over, but it presumably will be uh, shortly if it hasn't already. Uh, joining me here to discuss all of that is a return a return champion this week alone, the Associated Press's Steve Wino. Is this like uh, Jeopardy? So do I get do I get more more points or more money as I go along here? A- absolutely, absolutely. You, you've now gone from just getting the uh, the, the box of rice aroni. Now, now we're going to throw in some turtle wax. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the sham wow if you win, <laughs> if you if you make it past uh, make it past this episode. Uh, both of us have written. I, I didn't even know. Presumably, you wrote today something off of this, so you can go find Steve on Twitter at s. Wino and go read his story on the Associated Press. I've got a story up recapping day two on The Athletic. You can check out uh, what Steve and I and Matt Paris said on this podcast uh, before camp started. Um, sort of a good overview there as well. Over on You can find that on iTunes or Spotify or The Athletic app or anywhere you do your podcasting. Um, Alright, let's Let's hold off on Snyder just in case while we're talking we get some some news. Let's talk about the day. Um, first of all, it was hot. It was hot. It was, it was hot. It was humid. There were bugs everywhere. It was miserable. It yes. really it really was. And I, and I, and I say and no fans showed up. No fans showed up. We'll get to that as well. I, I bring all that up not to fetch about you know nobody wants to hear people complaining about the heat in in July. We get that. But it is to note, this is the conditions that the players were, were, were playing. We're sure. just sitting there watching. They're the ones running around in, in pads, well, no pads, I guess, but uniforms and helmets and these uh, extra guardian helmets as well to, to help protect their... John Alvin's uh, not a big fan of those. Not, 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 a, not a big fan. Um, and, you know, look, it's often said, Steve, that in, you know, in these camps that the defense sort of starts faster than the offense. I think today, if we had to do sort of the example of that, was a, today was a perfect example of that. The defense was kind of all over the place. Kendall Fuller, Montez Sweat in particular, I thought stood out. And the offense had one of those days where just nothing seemed to click to the point that after practice, Ron Rivera sort of brought the whole team together. And it was a combination of saying, hey, be happy when you make a good play. Be careful, though, of the trash talk. And simultaneously for the offense, kind of keep your head in this thing because this was not their, their best day uh, for sure. No, and, and, and Ron Rivera made it a point to us and to players, like, we're not game planning yet. This is not like you're, you have a scout team situation where you're, you're doing things you expect a, an opponent to do. But it was uh, it, it was quite the show of the defense just completely mauling the offense, really. I mean, like, the pick by Cole Holcomb, it was, you're right, nothing went right for the offense. <laughs> and, again, it's second day at camp. Antonio Gibson's still working on a side field. Like, there's not a whole lot to take out of this other than Montez Sweat loves to trash talk. That was one of my takeaways from today is if there's a swagger that comes from this defense, it might be coming as much from Montez Sweat as anybody else. That's what I take away from a day like today because as soon as he started talking, everybody else starts chirping, and you kind of, he kind of gets everybody fired up and, and geared up. Now, you don't want to see this turn into a fight in practice. Like You don't want the chirping to lead, lead to some of those kind of altercations and scuffles because on a hot, humid day, as you pointed out, 
tensions tend, tend to rise. I know with all of us in the media core, we're more mad at each other too when it's hot. That's not, not, not actually, but like we're, we, we, you chirp a little bit more and, and, and you can get more heated uh, because of that. You don't want to see that. But to me, it's a sign of like, he is kind of the engine who drives some of that, that kind of trash talking and, and swagger on his defense that's supposed to be better this year. Right, and and I'm with you on that, both in terms of Montez Sweat's play. He's looked really good so far in camp, and his uh, chirping at one point, he uh, he lined up against uh, tight end Amari Rogers, who if you're not even sure who that is, it's because A, he's a rookie, he's deep down the roster. He also played quarterback in college, and that was a guy who on a given play was lined up against Sweat, and after Sweat got past him pretty easily and, and forced Carson Wentz into a hurried throw, uh, Sweat yelled pretty loudly, uh, quote, don't put don't put a tight end on me and i think that was i don't think there was any other harsher language than that in there but it could have been it had no, i think it was just that yeah it was it was just that um so he was really good and to the point of the of the talk like if you're listening to this you're probably thinking well wait a minute this defense stunk last year they were 27th in dvoa they completely fell apart after the previous year and to that end the other part of the message that ron rivera said that he and the defensive coaches are preaching is uh, humility that it's one thing to be excited and to be proud of what you're doing as an individual, as a team, but act, to some degree, sort of like act like you've been there. Earn this based on what you play. Don't just get cocky because this was also his fear last year that this defense coming off a really good 2020, at least statistically, top five unit, um, he was concerned that they were talking a lot or that they were looking, thinking they'd already reached the mountaintop. And we remember last year, Montez Sweat and Chase Young talking about breaking sack records, yep. the sack records as a duo and things like that. So I think that's a, it's part of the, you want to instill confidence in the group and simultaneously not have them thinking they've already solved the problem. But a good day today, overall, I think Kendall Fuller looked really good. He had multiple pass deflections. He sniffed out a screen pass to Curtis Samuel and blew that play up. Um, he was, I think, in the back end, sort of the engine for, for that group. Yeah, and, and I think it's actually the, the perfect approach and perfect bounce back for this defense because we were all kind of talking this defense up last year, right? Like, this was the coming off, ranking second in the league, and, and you got all these guys back and Chase Young into his second season, and you expect all these great things to where now they haven't served the, the slice of humble pie from last year and, and, and kind of those struggles. And now you got Landon Collins gone as well, and you got a hole there, and you don't have a whole lot of linebackers, and you need Jamin Jam Davis to, to do something about kind of growing in the NFL that it is good to start from zero. And, and, and having a practice day of confidence is a good thing. I don't think these guys are going to be overconfident based on what happened last year. And maybe I'm wrong, and, 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 and maybe there's an immaturity factor that Ron Rivera has, has pointed out before, but ha starting from the everyone's counting us out, you haven't done anything yet, is better than where this defense was a year ago, where everyone's talking them up as if they're the greatest thing since the 85 Bears. <laughs> right, absolutely. Um, okay, so while the defense won the day, the offense didn't just sort of lose the day, but they clearly were off in a lot of ways. And maybe the best example was, I couldn't quite see the full play from where I was situated, but there was one play where Carson Wentz throws deep to Terry McLaurin. Sounds great off the off the bat. McLaurin is open. Good idea, good idea. McLaurin's yeah. open. Sounds even better. Troy Apke is somehow in the one in coverage. This looks like a perfect play. And yet somehow the ball fell incomplete. And Wentz and McLaurin just over the course of the day looked to be uh, frustrated with what was happening. But McLaurin, when he, he came in and spoke with us today, and he re regurgitated Rivera's message of basically – Part of what Rivera's message was also that it isn't just fine. You want to get you want to get excited. You want to talk a little shit, fine. But then 
maybe go back to the guy on your team that you just beat and say, hey, by the way, you did this and I did that and this is what you need to do the next time. And that and McLaurin perfectly sort of encapsulated that that approach, talked about how what, you know, working against the defensive backs, you know, learning what they're doing, improving from there. And, and that is ultimately the point of all this. That this is we'll, why you have six weeks of practice before the season starts, right? Right. We, we, we have, when we have the conversations of who won the offense or the defense, it does sort of put them in, te- in in separate teams as opposed to them being on the same team. And that is where, you know, Rivera said, it's like you mentioned, that line of trash talk. If it goes to over a certain point, he said, quote, he said it can be, quote, destructive, end quote. Sure. Um, and all that. Um, Carson Wentz, you know, I, I don't want to have every single time I do a podcast be a sort of a referendum on him. And, and, you know, we didn't, I didn't do a podcast after day one, so we can sort of, you know, sort of put all this in together. Um, I, I would just say he's not looked particularly sharp so far. He's been inaccurate, uh, whether we're talking about just individual team drills against air or in in um, 11, yeah. 11s or, or, or nine on nines or what have you. Um, when he's getting rushed and it's he's been getting pressured a fair amount, he's just kind of not doing much with it. He's just kind of, at best, throwing it away and, and often just incomplete and, and, and wild. He's been off on throws even when he's had some time. Now, he's he's made some good throws. He had a nice one to Jahan Dotson down the sideline today. Um, you know, he, he shows off that he's got the strong arm and all that. But he's definitely been off. And to the point of there's no game planning, this is where maybe the defense has some advantages over the offense. The offense is working on trying to get rid of them and chemistry. Went said as much yesterday when we spoke to him. And the defense is just being like more instinctive. They can just kind of run towards the ball and, and right. things like that. But that said, he's not looked particularly great. Um, it's early. It doesn't necessarily mean that much. But but this is the assessment. He's not looked good. She's not looked sharp, I guess you could say, based on what we can see. Uh, we don't always know if the receivers are running the right routes and things like that. But he has not looked particularly sharp or accurate to this point. No, and, and, and from, from what we can see... He hasn't been all that good. And and how much do you want to overreact to, to two days? Not a whole lot. Uh, to me, I want to see how he looks in the preseason games. I know, again, it's, it's still a preseason game, but he does need time to take to, to now develop chemistry with, with Terry McLaurin because they didn't have OTAs and minicamp when Terry, Terry was dealing with all the contract stuff. So just getting that chemistry is one thing. But also, even just absent those two, Terry fits into an office in a certain way that everything else that this team has done all offseason has been without Terry McLaurin on the field. So now guys shift around. So it's not Deami Brown here, Jahan Dotson there. It's Terry McLaurin in his usual spot, and everybody else kind of has to fit around it. Antonio Gibson's working on the side field with a hamstring injury that maybe not lingering, but certainly Ron Rivera talking about ramping Antonio Gibson up. Doesn't sound like Antonio Gibson's going to be 100% quickly. So there are a lot of things about this offense that still need to come together. And, and whether that comes together within the next month or whether it takes into into the season for it to figure it out, this is Carson Wentz's third team in three years. So he's got to figure out a whole new personnel, a whole new offense. And he said he kind of almost enjoys learning a new language and this sort of thing. But when it's trying to learn all of these things at once, even though these have all these spring workouts to deal with, just trying to put it in practice on a field and the pads come on next week, it's a tremendous challenge, even for a guy in the seventh year in the league. And I, I think the learning curve is something I think we need to kind of step back a little and realize it's going to take some time to have a, a quarterback, even a veteran quarterback, learn and, and perfect Scott Turner's offense. Uh, yeah, for, for sure. So we'll we'll see um, how that uh, how that goes for him again. It is early, but it's, you know, and, and I think the thing with Wentz also is like, 
when we talk about what were some of the issues he had with Indianapolis or Philadelphia. I'm not talking about the, the chemistry stuff or the personal relationships, but just on the field. Among those things include an inability to check the ball down when the play isn't there um, and throw the ball, you know, take the easy play instead of forcing it. We still see some of that uh, for, 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 for sure. There was a play, to, one of the plays today, he threw the ball to De'Ami Brown. Was it, wait, was it today or yesterday? It's all blended together. But there was a play where he was throwing the ball, I believe, to De'Ami Brown, was today, yeah. who was tightly covered by Kendall Fuller. And Brian Robinson was sort of out, open in the floor. Yeah, it is. it was today. I'm looking at my notes. Brian Robinson was open for a wide open play in the flat that, you know, if this was like a real look. That, that Alex Smith would take. And that's that, that right? That, that's the thing that, that they are, that it seems that the coaches are trying to get a little more Alex Smith game manager out of Carson Wentz, right? Right, right. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a great point. So you see some of that kind of stuff, and I mentioned under pressure, he, uh, you know, it's not his best suit. But again, you also see the arm strength at times, and, and that's going to be something that they're going to hope to uh, to take advantage of. Um, you mentioned Gibson, since, again, I, I didn't do a, po- a, a podcast after day one. Uh, Gibson is the most notable absence at this point. He uh, is dealing with a hamstring issue that was lingering, I guess you could say, since... Um, uh, since back in the OTA yep. world, he has really focused this offseason on getting in better shape. He dropped his body percent, his, his body fat percentage down from 18% to 12%. He had a personal chef um, working to help, you know, help him, in, you know, have better food to to, to intake. Um, and he really extended himself in his workouts and I think doing so that extra exertion I think is part of what has led to him uh dealing with this hamstring injury they're not making it out to be a big deal at the moment but this is a guy that's had multiple injuries over his first two years in his league and it's the start of camp the OTAs was you know six weeks ago so the fact that we're here it is a little concerning I'm not alarmist but it is notable and we'll see when he's able to come back yeah well and it I don't want to start saying it seems like Curtis Samuel last year all over again because it's way too early to know that. But last year it was, oh, Curtis Samuel has this. He'll probably be okay. And then he wasn't. And he and then he would rush back or came back too early and made it worse. And so give Ron Rivera and, and the medical staff credit for intentionally being like, we're taking this incredibly slow. We're going to we're going to put pump the brakes on all of this. There's not another game for almost seven weeks to, to kind of take time on this. But it stinks to see Antonio Gibson continually have these problems that, that are either exertion or bad luck or whatever it is, the toe thing and, and this and last year, that he needs to be on the field. Like, and, and, and Brian Robinson, I guess, becomes your, your insurance policy for that, even if the design was Gibson's your feature back and, and, and he becomes your new Peyton Barber, your new kind of short yardage, goal line sort of situation. He might need to be more of that if Antonio Gibson can't stay on the field. And and I don't I don't want to compare to Curtis Samuel yet, but you see an injury happen early in camp or happen in off season, and all of a sudden guys out for longer than you think. You start to wonder like, is this going to be something that that kind of nags him throughout the year? Right. And, and I will say like again, there's no pads yet. There's no tackling. So so we can't go too crazy. But I think Brian Robinson, I I, I talked about them drafting a running back or adding a running back this off season. It didn't shock me at all that they they took one where they did. Um, that said, you know, how are you going to get Robinson and Gibson and J.D. McKissick all the work? They'll have, they'll have time to figure that out. But right now, if, if you told me that, say, Gibson just didn't exist and it was a Brian Robinson, J.D. McKissick, I think Brian Robinson's looked pretty good. He, yeah, I mean, he's been he, fine, you, know, he You can see why he's 
uh, been a successful uh, runner between the tackles. I mentioned he, he did catch, you know, he's caught a couple passes. Uh, I, I think he's been interesting to say the least. So that'll be a, a, a fun look to see how they incorporate these guys. And the fact that Gibson dropped that weight, I think it's in anticipation of them trying to use him more in space rather than you know, be a bulldozer up the middle. Sure. Maybe that helps with the injuries and be him just being more efficient, um, things like that. A um, couple other notes here before we get to the Snyder stuff. Uh, they, they activated Chase, Chase Ruye off the pup list today. Not a surprise per se. Rivera said the other day that of the four guys that went on, he was likely to be the first one off. I had been told he may not even go on, so he's done. We'll see when he's actually back out there practicing. I think what's interesting about this is whenever they feel he's ready to be the starting center, then what happens with Wes Schweitzer? Because the Schweitzer-Trey Turner situation at right guard is that a real competition is it trey turner's job trey turner did not practice today we didn't ask rivera about that so we'll have to see but he wasn't out there today it was sadiq charles instead so that's interesting about the ruye thing because the funny thing is why now there's almost no starting lineup battles anywhere on this almost group not. almost yeah. none Dude, there's the 11th defender whether you want to call it the buffalo nickel or whatever which yeah. seems like it's benjamin st juice but okay there's that and then maybe the right guard spot and that's kind of it so it is it's why at least this is like the one situation where maybe there's something to to to, to consider. So you're here. penciling in Andrew Norwell on the left side for sure, yes. and then it's Wes Schweitzer and and Trey Turner on the other side. Uh, that's the way I would see it, but you know, I mean, Trey Turner's had way more success than Schweitzer. Um, he was a Carolina guy, so all that stuff. So I would assume he's going to get it, but Schweitzer's become such a valued uh, utility player who's been able to fill in in multiple times. So I would I wouldn't rule him out potentially uh, starting. Um. Something no, uh, interesting about the roster today, kind of came out of, out of nowhere, was Ron Rivera at the start of his press conference today told us that Antonio Gandy-Golden was retiring. Yeah, didn't, come, didn't see that coming. Did not see that one coming. Uh, the you know fourth round pick in 2020, you know, kind of busted out at receiver. You know, was, was even waived last year. They brought him back. They shifted him to tight end. He's going to be in a position battle with a bunch of other sort of random guys to maybe be the fourth tight end. And yeah, he's he, he's out. He told Rivera that he wanted to basically go back to school, and and Rivera said, made it sound like he just seemed like the kid just lost the passion for the game, which you know, best to him. But it was yeah, a surprise, um, a surprise, you know, that 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 it happened. I'm glad for him on some level. If you're gonna make this call, do, do it, it now. now. Don't slog through the whole training camp and then be like, eh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Ron Rivera did say like he thought. Antonio Gandy Golden could be a matchup problem for for opposing defenses at tight end and and could do things in this offense. It will remain to be seen whether there was actually room for him to do that if Logan Thomas comes back and is healthy and there's John Bates and and Cole, Cole Turner right like there there it would have been hard to kind of carve out a space there but they like they, they, the the teams always always like his athleticism that's always been what he's been able to do it, it didn't work out at receiver we wish him all we wish him all the best and and kind of whatever he does he wants up being football in some way and coaching or scouting or whatever he winds up being a, a neurosurgeon we have no idea right and and it, and it goes to show how the roster has evolved over time when they drafted him in 2020 at that point other than Terry McLaurin like he because he was an interesting kid at 6-4 you know had some highlight reel type catches at Liberty I'm not saying I thought this but there was some notion out there like wow could this guy become the starter opposite McLaurin now he not only was not playing receiver at this point you've got McLaurin you've got Samuel you've got Jahan Dodson just that alone it just shows how the one position they've they've evolved and they've improved 
from a personnel perspective and it's done that way in other spots as well that's not the same thing as saying they're going to win 10 games it just goes to show just how you know how these how these things have evolved over time that a guy who was a fourth round pick that people were like oh could this guy be the starter now he moves on and it's not remotely a concern from the roster perspective at all um you know obviously independent sure. of what he wants to do but it's not an issue on a like you know nobody's going at this point wow what a what a what a disaster that was and then they've taken a receiver in in every draft since 2019 you, you get terry mclaren and then you take a shot with with antonio guinea golden in 2020 and then all of a sudden then deami brown 2021 and obviously Jahan dotson there's a there's a depth certain level of depth there that maybe you're worried about curtis samuel ever coming back and i guess it's gravy at this point if curtis samuel is is great and 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 is after a lost season gives you what he wants and now you have De'Ami Brown as your fourth receiver instead of having to be your second or third receiver um last thing for at least for me and I'll see if you have anything else um Deron Payne I'm only mentioning it because he's not being mentioned and I'm pointing this out because uh, he's still here he's still here but like it's we've now gone through three Ron Rivera press conferences in three days he's not come up once and it's I'm noting this noting this because obviously I've been reporting for weeks now that he's not expected to get an extension at this point you know last year we were all over the john allen situation he got that extension right before camp there's no conversation there's no mention so just for anybody who's been asking me what's the deal with this that's the deal with this there's they have from what i was told there's been no offer made there's no discussion obviously things could change at some point down the line depending on how the season goes and jerron Payne, he was another guy that's looked pretty good so far in camp but um just just pointing that out um, for those who, who've been asking me if there's any update on on that. Uh, did you have any other final football thoughts before we switch to Capitol Hill? Yeah, well, no, I, I was going to say, is I, I think they already drafted Federian Mathis as Deron Payne's long-term replacement. I, I think when, when that draft pick was made, and I think you reported earlier in the week that, that no extension talks had taken place, that I think the writing is on the wall and everyone understands it, even if that means Deron Payne's going to play out the season and, and, and then walk in free agency. And just lastly, for because people like the, the, the random names, I'm not saying this guy's making the team. I'm just saying he stood out to me a little bit. Josh Drayden, the undrafted free agent cornerback from California. Uh, defensive backs coach Chris Harris, he was one of the highlights today because he is he, he is known to constantly scream and, and yell and then run to his players after they make a good play. He was very busy today. There was a lot of good plays, and, and Drayden was one of the guys who I, I, I think a couple of times had some nice plays. So there's a lot of uncertainty with the secondary behind the starters. Just a name to consider as a potential roster guy to keep an eye on throughout the camp. Um, all right, let's go to Capitol Hill. Um, early this morning, like 6 a.m., we get the official news that Dan Snyder is, in fact, going to testify in a deposition on Capitol Hill with the Oversight Committee. Now, he's doing it over Zoom, as we know. He's he's in Israel. He's in parts, yeah. I was going to say parts unknown, but I guess, I guess we know where he's he is. Israel. He's just overseas. Um, and he's doing it without subpoena he is doing it under oath uh and there there will be a transcript we, we think we think well yeah there will be a transcript whether but, it's how much is public right we don't but, know right whether we ever see it is another thing the, the the oversight committee has the right to release information as they see fit um and as i said at the moment we're talking unless steve tells me there's news on twitter um, that as of this point, it's still either going on or we just don't know the deal. Um, and we may not know any information out of this today, tomorrow, but but logically we'll probably hear something at some point. Uh, I guess first off, one, I'm surprised to a degree that this happened. 
that he agreed they, they did it. that he agreed to do it. Now, to me, it seemed like if I'm the, the part of the hangup, it felt like the last few days, last week or two, was the oversight committee gave him the chance to come in without a subpoena when Roger Goodell spoke. They couldn't work that out. You can whichever side you want to take on. He he off he couldn't do that specific date or whatever, or he was just stalling. Uh, a little from column A, a little from column B. Right. And then they said, okay, we're going to subpoena you to do this. And then his side was like, well, he'll talk, but you doesn't want to do it under subpoena. You've already offered him the chance to do it without that. To me, that actually seemed like a fair fair argument. If, you're, if yes. the point is to get Dan Snyder to talk, then to scrap the subpoena. If he's claiming, he'll do it. Ultimately, they did do that. Um, and so that's where we're at. I, so that's, I'm, I'm surprised that, that it happened to an extent. But if we're going to go through all this rigmarole for months, I'm glad then that we didn't get hung up on that particular aspect. If he's going to talk, let him talk. Talk. And and, and, and there was an agreement made about kind of providing documents in advance of, of kind of previous testimony so that, that Dan Snyder and his team were not caught <clears> off guard <throat> by things that were said that haven't been publicly released or, or, or made known. So there was a lot of behind the scenes between the committee, committee staff and, and Dan Snyder's legal team on kind of figuring out the terms of this. And it will be fascinating to see what comes out of it because if there were certain topics that, that were either on the table, off the table, that the committee wants answers to, they have the ability to still subpoena him. If they still want to do this and drag this out, the committee can absolutely still do that if they if members don't get the answers they want out of they wanted out of Dan Snyder from this deposition. Now, do you, from selfishly, for all those of us who are dealing with this, do we hope that it gets to the point where it drags out into court and uh, contempt and all these things? No, we, we, we don't want that. But uh, the committee wants answers. Dan Snyder did a deposition, and we're going to see what kind of actual concrete answers we get out of it. Right, and and they and they did say, and I don't have the, the the statement in front of me, but basically it said that, you know, as long as he doesn't completely stonewall, if he, if he completely stonewalls them, sure, hides yeah, behind yes. NDAs and things like that, then they still have the right to subpoena him. Um, whenever but this, he, but this is the testimony. This this is it. This is what they've been wanting. The committee's been wanting the entire time. Right now. That said, what we're all wondering is, is he going to actually say anything remotely interesting? Is it going to be a lot of, I don't remember, for things that happened years and years ago? Will his attorneys just say over and over again, we object? Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know if it technically says I take the fifth, but whatever. Does he actually say too much? Uh, you know, it, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the answer to that is largely no, but we'll, we'll see. Today, tomorrow, meaning Friday, is the last day of this congressional session before they go take a break and I guess come back after Labor Day, I'm assuming. Um, that's notable right there because it takes them to this finish line. Then once so we get to September, it's a lot, it's, it's get a lot closer to running out the clock to a degree. Um, because of the fact that, like, you're, now you're in the heat of the election, uh, of the midterm elections. These congressional reps are going to be busy back in their own districts campaigning or dealing with a lot of other right. business. So there's that. Um, they got a budget deal to pass, you know. There's uh, things run, happening. Run, run in the country, right. Right. Um, I will just say this. This has nothing to do with anything. I'm just sort of fascinated by it. From a procedural perspective, as a non-lawyer, it seems to me that Dan Snyder's group sort of won this round because of the fact that he it's not under subpoena. It's not on video. There's it's not a, public. It's not public. They're not, they're not recording the video. The only downside I would think for his him his side would be, is that the staffers are the one who are going to be running this, and the staffers are like lawyers. The, if we all watch the Goodell hearing, 
you know, a lot of the questions there the were left. The deflate gate and some Yeah, it was, a lot of, it was a lot of nonsense. Now, they, they, they do say that congressional reps can be involved, but it is essentially going to be run by staffers. So we'll see about that. No uh, grandstanding. Uh, to your point, no grandstanding, but, like, expect. He had to expect tough questions. And legal team, obviously, you expect, you, you, you know what's coming. Right. I mean, I don't know if the if the if the GOP's lawyers will sort of, you know, just spend time saying this is a waste of time or not. But we'll we'll see about that. In any event, beyond that, I, I don't want to speculate too much. I, I've maintained over and over again, all of this is not saying it's a waste of time. But it, in terms of getting Dan Snyder out as the owner of this team, it still all comes down to the other owners in the NFL. And to this point, I still have not heard anything that makes me think those guys are going to, or, or those people are going to change their view. So um, Unless something comes okay, comes out of this right. that is so such a public bombshell that then leads 24 of those owners to change their mind. But as, as Roger Goodell said for Congress, I do not have the power to remove an owner. Like, literally, that is not the commissioner's job. The commissioner can certainly influence other owners, but this is certainly the 32 owners, the other 31 owners, have the, have the power here more than anyone else. A hundred percent. Right. No, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, if, if there is significant news um, on this, then, then obviously I'll come back and do another podcast. Uh, and of course, we'll continue to do podcasts uh, throughout training camp for sure. Practice goes Friday, Saturday, day off Sunday, then back on Monday. Um, any final thoughts from you on the first two days here? Um, beyond the fact that it was hot, sticky, and buggy. It's good to be back. As, as much as it's hot, sticky, and buggy, it, it is a good group to be around, a good good beat crew. It, it's good to be around Ron Rivera. And football season is around the corner. Like, I mean, it's just, as much as we can complain about, everyone complains about their jobs, but, like, we're close to football season. This is fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be a lot worse to, for, for, for sure. It could be digging ditches, right? For, that, 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 is, that is what they say. All right, we will see what happens. We'll see when the offense can uh, get the better of the defense when Antonio Gibson returns, uh, when we get some more updates on the injured players, and so on. Um, but that is it for now. Big thanks to, of course, Steve Wino. By the way, not only follow him on Twitter, but if you're a, a Caps fan or hockey fan, go check out his podcast. What what, what is, it, what is it, What's the deal with your podcast? Paul's Caps on, on Empire Media with uh, Carl Osner. So we, uh, Carl Osner and I tell some stories and have some laughs, and he asks stupid questions, and we have some fun. Uh, good time there. And, of course, you can go check me out on The Athletic. Follow me on Twitter as well, at Ben Standig. Um, that is it for now. Here from following day two of training camp. Until next time, see you.